Well, good morning. Once again, it is good to see you. I know you've been welcome, welcome a couple times, and I just want to say welcome once again. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. If you are a regular attender, thank you so much for your faithfulness. If you're a guest, uh, we would uh, just encourage you to take your, your connection card, your communication card, and take it to the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you there. We would love to, to share that with you and just to be able to connect with you. If you're uh, home, online, watching, uh, we want to say welcome as well. I know last week I talked about the, the possibility of staying home and maybe inviting some friends over to watch the service live. And I know of at least one family that is doing that with their, with their friends today in their house. And so I just want to celebrate that with them. And for everyone else who is online, welcome. We are so glad that you're joining us today. Um, I have a, a picture that I want to show you. I just want to see if you can identify. How many of you know who that is? Now, um, if you said Matt Damon, you're only half right. Because to me, that is Jason Bourne. All right? I, how, anybody ever heard or have watched the Jason Bourne movies? A few of you have. I know not all of you have. Let me give you uh, just a little backstory in case you've never seen the movie. Uh, Jason Bourne is... Uh, this individual who had been trained by the United States government to be an assassin. But before he actually kills anyone, he makes a decision that he wants to walk away from this life that he has been trained to, to be a part of. And so what he begins to discover, though, as he tries to walk away, is that walking away is not nearly as easy as he thought it would be. There are these, um, there are these deep state uh, sort of Forces at work in the government that are um, now um, they are contracting other assassins to kill him because you might say that he has seen and has known too much. Right. And, and as the movie continues to unfold, we see over and over and over again that there are these deep, dark operations that are at work trying to kill Jason Bourne. And while they never succeed, sorry to have spoiled that for you, those who haven't seen it. We, we, are, we are reminded, we are reminded that there are things that are taking place that are beyond um, what we know or what we understand. Now, I just want to clarify something here. I am not claiming to be some um, crazy conspiracy theorist that says that we never landed on the moon or that the FBI killed JFK, all right? But I think most of us, if we're just honest with ourselves, most of us wonder, if there might be some things that are taking place sort of behind the scenes that none of us really know about. I mean, we have seen uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. We've seen Watergate. Over and over again, there's been these moments, even through our history, where we're like, hmm, that's interesting. I, I kind of think maybe there's something else taking place there. And so most of us would just acknowledge that, right? What if I was to tell you, that your life is a lot like Jason Bourne's. What if I was to tell you that your life is a lot like Jason Bourne's? And, and, and just hold that thought for a moment because we're coming to it. We're in the middle of this teaching series on the book of Acts. Uh, and um, today we're in Acts chapter 16. It's a story that many of you may have heard several times. It's a story of where Paul and Silas, they're thrown in prison and at midnight, they begin to, to pray. They begin to sing. Uh, God brings about an earthquake. The, the prison uh, doors swing open. Their chains fall off. 
and uh, the jailer is about ready to kill himself because he realizes that if he loses these prisoners, he's going to be killed anyway. The jailer's about ready to kill himself, and Paul says, hold up, hold up, we're all here. The jailer runs in, and he says, um, what must I do to be saved? And there has been hundreds of messages that have been uh, preached on that passage of Scripture. But today, I, I don't want to focus so much on uh, Paul and Silas singing at midnight. I don't want to focus too much on the jailer while we will reference just a little bit. What I want to focus this, this morning is this, this woman that we see that causes Paul and Silas to get thrown in jail in the first place. She is this woman who, who has a spirit within her, a demon within her, who enables her to be able to, to tell the future. And she has slave, uh, she's a slave, and her masters are using her to make all kinds of money. And Paul gets so exasperated that in this moment, he, he commands the demon to come out. And so I asked the question earlier, what if I told you that your life is a lot like Jason Bourne's. Here's what I meant. I think all of us, all of us um, must come to this realization that there are powers of darkness at work in our world, in things we cannot see, in ways that we do not know. There are powers at work in our world, things that are taking place behind the scenes that, that we're not aware of, that are seeking every way they can to destroy our lives. Now, I realize that um, when we say this, we get a little leery because we hear statements like this, and the last thing we want is for people to think about us, that we're those people that are convinced that there's little demons running around, you know, just like sabotaging the world. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't want people to think that of us, but, but the fact remains, the fact remains that if we are not willing to admit that if we ignore and deny that there are powers of darkness at work in the world, we do so at our own peril. That if we never come to grips, that like Jason Bourne, there are things that are taking place behind uh, the scenes and, and, and spiritually, that there are things taking place that we are not aware of, that if we ignore that those exist, we are doing so at our own peril. Uh, recently, I've been watching some clips of Americans Got Talent. I, I only watch the clips like on YouTube. And um, people share it on Facebook because I just cannot stand the really, really bad auditions, all right? I mean, some people really, really love those, but not me. I just, it just kind of gives me a little, it makes me look crazy. And I've been watching some of those, and uh, there are a couple of, of recent ones of uh, magicians who have just done some crazy things. Now, before you go and say that Pastor Tony thinks every magician on America's Got Talent is some sort of demon-possessed person, I am not saying that at all. I actually believe they're just really gifted at sleight of hand and, and trickery and confusing us all, all right? I just think they're really gifted at that. But it got me thinking. It got me thinking that we have been so programmed to think that if there are things that we don't understand or that we cannot grasp, that there is certainly some sort of logical reason why that is happening. There, there, there must be some sort of scientific reason why 
said event is taking place, or, or it must be some sort of coincidence. What we, what we rarely are willing, uh, willing to admit that, for, for some of us, what we're rarely willing to admit that just possibly there are powers of darkness at work in the world trying to foil everything we do, and they are, they are poking, they are prodding, they are, uh, bothering us because, because the reality is, is those powers exist. For, for the ancient world and for much of the world today, that was never a question. Uh, maybe today in the Western world, we're, we're more apt to, to be able to figure out some sort of reason, some sort of logical reason why that is taking place. A uh, French um, poet and scholar, uh, Charles Baudet said, The devil's finest trick is to persuade you that he does not exist. You, you, you see, his greatest trick is not to spook you. It is not to scare you and cause you to run and hide in a corner. His greatest trick is to simply convince you that he does not exist. Because in the moment he has convinced you that he does not exist, he has won the battle because you will write everything off as something else. The Apostle Paul, this, the, 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 sort of the main character of this story, he later writes a letter to, to the church at Ephesus. And uh, it's in the book of Ephesians. Uh, he says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly, in the heavenly realms. Paul is saying the battle that we are engaged in is not a battle against mere flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual battle that is at war within us. And, and I just want to clarify something. I am not saying that the powers of darkness are all powerful. But what I am saying is that we are no match for them. That personally, in our own strength, in our own abilities, we are no match for them because they are constantly working. They're constantly prying. They're, they're constantly pushing in. They're, they're constantly working at our lives. And if we just simply deny that they exist, they have won the battle. I, um, it reminds me that even as followers of Jesus Christ, that even as, um, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, that does not even exempt us from the fact that even in those moments, Satan is seeking to, to speak his, his confusion. He is willing to speak, he's wanting to speak lies into us. He is longing to disrupt our spiritual lives. He is at work. And, and, and I'm not, for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, we do not have to worry uh, about demon possession. But what we do have to worry about is that the powers of darkness are seeking to oppress us. They're seeking to work in our lives, to, to really destroy our lives. And sometimes it just plays out in everyday life. What is about to happen is something that has never happened before in my ministry. And, uh, in fact, it didn't even happen in the first service. So this truly is a first. Um, 
Amy and I are getting ready to be really transparent, okay? Um, we're getting ready to be really transparent because, uh, first of all, there is a sense of trust in the community that uh, you will not hold this transparency against us. But we're, we're getting ready to be really transparent because this plays out in our life as well. And uh, Amy never speaks up front, never. And so I'm going to invite Amy to come forward. This, this is really out of a conversation. You can sit down, babe, so you don't pass out and fall over. That'll be good. Um, I'll make sure it's on for you. Uh, this didn't happen first service because it really happened in a conversation between me and Amy um, between services. And so uh, just this idea that sometimes suppression, even in the life of the believer, Satan is always uh, working to, to push in on us, to disrupt us. Explain what it is that you uh, want, want to share. Well, as he said, this is a first, so excuse me if I'm nervous, but I have a unique viewpoint that you all don't have. I get to see him the week, all week before the sermon comes up here. And I get to watch it unfold in his mind. I get to hear parts of it. I get to experience him asking questions and and talking through the sermon. And I get to watch his expressions as he's studying or thinking or pondering. And you guys don't get to see that. And so if you've ever felt, let me ask this this way, have you ever felt the powers of darkness before? Because I have in those situations where I've watched him prepare for his sermon. I've watched them fight him. I've seen the look on his face. I've seen the stress on his face when he's, this sermon especially this week. They, the powers of darkness knew that he was going to speak against them. And they pretty much tried to beat the daylights out of us this week because of it. And so in our transparency... Um, it all kind of culminated yesterday, and I'm going to stick to my notes a little bit here. Um, it became a tense, dark day for our relationship yesterday, just in the way we interacted with each other, the things we said to each other. Um, it was a struggle. And I allowed the devil to use my attitude against his cause and my husband. And so I became a stumbling block for this sermon and what he needed to say to you guys because I was in conflict with him instead of being on his side. And as a pastor's wife, my spiritual life doesn't just affect me. It affects my husband and it affects the church. And if you think about it, who are the people that God uses your or Satan uses your attitude against and to defeat? So last night, as I was laying down to go to sleep, I was a mess. I felt hopeless. I felt completely used. I felt as if I had been defeated. And I really sensed pain and evil. And so I did what the only thing I knew to do. And I just kept saying out loud the name of Jesus over and over and over. And eventually... It all went away. It was gone. 
And my perspective was completely different. My eyes were opened. I could see what I had been doing all day. I could sense his presence in my life. And I knew that I had been used for evil. And just the only thing that would fix that was the name of Jesus. That's it. That's the only thing I had. I had nothing. I couldn't do it on myself. I couldn't do it in my own way. I couldn't excuse my attitude because my attitude is just something I struggle with. It was a weapon. And Jesus was the only thing powerful enough to fix it. Well, if I ever need someone to pitch in for me, I'll just have her preach instead. Thanks, babe. Um, so the powers of darkness do work in our lives. C- can I just step into something a little bit more? And that is, if you are here and you are, a f- and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you have absolutely nothing to be able to stand against the powers of darkness. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, the powers of darkness are having complete and total control over your life. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about um, uh, some, some demons that are running around just torturing your life. What I'm saying is the way you live your life is not the way you're living it. It is the powers of darkness. As a matter of fact, we, some people say, that, well, I am making a decision not to follow Jesus Christ because if I follow Jesus Christ, I'm going to kill that. If I follow Jesus Christ, that, uh, oh, my, don't tell Pastor John that happened, all right? <laughs> if I follow Jesus Christ, I will be making my own choices. Can I say that if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not making your own choices? The powers of darkness have a nose in your ring, a, 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 a ring in your nose, and they're just pulling you wherever they want to take you. They're pulling you wherever they want to take you. This woman, we see this woman. She is, it is not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence that in this story, the, the writers of the book of Acts point out that she was a slave because she was a slave to the powers of darkness. And then something happens that is revolutionary. Paul, uh, out of exasperation, out of desperation, out of maybe seeing what was taking place in this woman's life, Paul comes onto the scene and he says, in the name of Jesus, he says to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, come out. Now I want to give you a little historical context. Um, At this moment, in history, there were other people who were going around and uh, casting out demons, you might say. You might kind of call it an exorcism. There were other people who were doing that at the time. In fact, Josephus, who is a, a first century a scholar, historian, not, not a biblical writer, but he writes about uh, these experiences that were taking place where people would do all these incantations and, and wave all these little magic little wands around and uh, he, how they would use those as an attempt to, to cast out demons. And what they would always do is they would always do it in the name of someone. The one Josephus writes about was they would do it in the name of Solomon. 
And sometimes they would, they would put a bowl of water, uh, near, near wherever this event was taking place, witchcraft really. They had put a, a bowl of water and, and this person, uh, he records of a, uh, actually gives a name of a person who commands the spirit to come out and, and to knock off the bowl of water just to prove that they had left the body. He, um, he talks about how they, they would imagine that they were pulling out the, 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 the demon, the evil spirit, through a person's nose, which is a little crazy to me. But they were always doing it in the name of, of someone. And there's all these rituals, all these uh, magical things that are taking place. And Paul steps on the scene and he says, listen, it's in the name of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that I command you to come out. No rituals, no incantations, no waving around little smoke. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out. And in that moment, God does something miraculous. I wonder, I wonder if in our lives, when we have struggles, when we have things that we're Working through, I wonder how many things we are trying to muster up, to, trying to, to, to experience the freedom that God's, God offers us, trying to figure the hope that He offers us. We try to muster up so much stuff that, that somehow will work. And, and I just want to say this, there are a lot of great techniques that are in the world. There, there are great books, there, there are great conferences, there's all kinds of great things. But all of those will fall short. If they are not used in the name and the power of Jesus Christ, He is the ultimate freedom. He is the ultimate freedom that we can experience. Nothing else. I actually want to, uh, side note, uh, there's, the slides are going to be up here. I, I do want to just throw a resource out to you. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a thing called Wellsprings. Uh, College Wesleyan, there's several from Brookhaven people are on it. On, on, it's a prayer team that, that really seeks to bring about deliverance into the lives of people. It's, a, it's actually a national thing, and I would encourage you, if, if you've got some stuff that you're, that you're working with, that you need to experience freedom with, I, I, I would encourage you to check that out. It, it's a great resource, but I, I recommend it because I know that it is embedded deep into the power of the transforming work of Jesus Christ within our lives. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great resources. I'm just cautioning us that when we seek to experience the freedom, complete freedom outside of Jesus Christ, we are missing what God wants to do in our lives. When we were working on our... uh, our new mission statement. Um, there's a lot of, of wordsmithing, you might say. Like we're trying to figure out the exact words that we wanted to use. It's got to be within like 14 words or something. A lot of words that we, we thought through. Can I just tell you there was one word that was never a question that would be in it. And that was the name of Jesus. Because everything is possible. Through the name of Jesus. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us all to exhale really big, okay? Can we do this together? One, two, three. Because I know this is pretty heavy. 
But I want to give you some good news. See, um, this is the good news that I have to offer you. And that is that God truly wants to offer you freedom in your life. Beyond any shadow of a doubt, God wants to offer you freedom in your life. I, I think of this woman and, and the freedom that he offered her. And then, then I want to fast forward in the story just a little bit. As the story continues to unfold, um, we see um, Paul and Silas in prison. We see them um, singing. We see the jail coming open. Well, I told you about the story about the jailer. That Then the jailer um, comes to Paul uh, and Silas. There's no doubt in my mind that the jailer knew why Paul and Silas were in prison, right? I'm convinced that they, he knew why they were in prison. He had heard about this woman. He had heard about uh, the way she was before and the way that, that she was now. There, there's no doubt in my mind she, he had heard it. And then the whole thing happens with the, with the, the, the prison walls, you know, the, the shackles coming off. And he comes to Paul and Silas and he says, what must I do to be saved? He's saying, how do I experience this freedom? Now, we can argue that even in that moment, his perception was a little off because he asked, what must I do? And then Paul and Silas bring up this name again. They said, believe, hear it? In the name of Jesus. Believe in the name of Jesus. Put your trust in Him. Put your faith in Him. Make Him center of your life. All the other things that we try have their place. But do you want to experience freedom like you've never experienced freedom before? Put your trust in Jesus. As a matter of fact, uh, John writes in 1 John 4, 4, it says, Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. There's something else I notice as a jailer asks this question. They bring them out. They're baptized. And in verse uh, 30, I think it's 34, it says, that they rejoiced. Maybe you're here today and it's been a while since you've spiritually rejoiced. Maybe there is some weight that you've been carrying, some, some things that, that you need to experience freedom from, and you it's been a long time since you've spiritually rejoiced because the powers of darkness have just been squeezing you. And in this moment, in this moment, you say, God, I long for that freedom that is found in you. Here, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to stand. I'm standing. I'm, I'm, I'm purposely not going to sit because in this moment, I want to indicate that I am standing as well. If you are here and, and you long for spiritual freedom that you've never experienced before, if it's been a long time since you've spiritually rejoiced, would you just stand where you are? Just stand. Anyone else? 
you want to experience that freedom. God, in this moment, you see people standing who are longing for the freedom that is found in you. God, would you just dump the truck on them? God, may they experience freedom in ways that they have never experienced it before. God, we long to be a people. We long to be a people who through the transforming power of Jesus Christ experience hope and freedom. And so God, in this moment, back the truck up, dump it on them. God, may they experience it in ways that blows their mind. God, we give you these moments. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. We are going to celebrate communion in the last few moments. We celebrate communion the first Sunday of of every month usually. Communion is this moment where we are reminded that this is actually possible because Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for our sins. It, It wouldn't even be possible had he not been willing to pay the price. The night that um, Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples, and they were celebrating Passover, and um, which was the Hebrew holiday of deliverance, ironically. They were celebrating Passover, and Jesus took the bread, and he broke it. He shared it with his disciples, and he says, Take this and eat. All uh, you and all who come... Uh, after you, when you do this, you'll have a, a vivid reminder of me. And they, they took the cup as well. Jesus took the cup and he, he shared it with them and he says, uh, drink. You and all who come after you, when you do this, you'll have a vivid reminder 